We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, Hack It Out Golf Podcast time. Myself, Mark Cross with Lou Stagner and Greg Chalmers, and we're talking the US amateur today because Lou's point of recording this podcast has actually been at a few of the practice days, maybe at a playing day, I'm not sure. We'll ask him. Um, as someone who definitely followed the British amateur as a player a lot, uh, I played English am, I never played British. Um, I'm interested in how the US am is set up and those kind of ideas. Because um, I do think it's a part of the game that doesn't get enough kind of press because there are some very good players that often are in these events. Welcome, Lou and Greg. I just want to put this out there. Welcome, both of you. Hope you're both all right. Um, someone said to me the other day, we need to do a pod explaining who we are because it's some people obviously catching the pod today for the first time. I say I'm Mark Crossfield, Lou Stagner and Greg Chalmers. Obviously, the audience who listen all the time know that Greg Chalmers is a PGA Tour pro and that um, Lou is our resident stat hole and I'm just some geezer online who talks a lot of golf. But we don't really, we should do one maybe where we tell people what we are and who we are a little bit. Just a little, if you can note that down for future maybe. Does that sound like a good idea? I like it. Sexy, multi-sported athlete. Yep, I got yeah, it. Well, that, exactly. Are we allowed to talk about ourselves in that frame? Is that what we're yeah, going to well, do? Yeah, if there's, if there's one topic Greg Chalmers loves to talk about, it's himself. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be it's a, a five-hour episode, and then week after that, me and Lou will do our one. <laughs> a little two-minute blip from you guys, and then we'll go from there. All right. As the, as the only person who's actually achieved anything, he probably can take the stage. Um, so, Lou, you've been at the USAM. Um, you don't have to tell us. Were you there with certain players? You don't have to tell us. If, I know. I don't know how it works for you guys. In those. You were there with certain players, I'm guessing. I was, yeah. I was there with certain players, walked, practice rounds, was out there all day Saturday and all day Sunday. Um, the host course is uh, Ridgewood Country Club, which is in New Jersey. And the co-host is Arcola. So they play 36 holes of stroke play. Uh, players will play one round at each course, and then once they cut over to match play, they uh, they stay at Ridgewood going forward. And how many qualify for the match play? Sixty four. Yeah, it'll be sixty four in the, the field round. Yeah. Of how many? Uh, Do you know how many I think three hundred and ten or three hundred and twelve, maybe. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot in there, which is why they do two courses. So it's a full yeah, day yeah. at both courses. Is it four yeah. rounds, Lou, to qualify? Four rounds, it, did you say? Two rounds of stroke play, and then into match and then play. Into, oh, wow, that's quick. Yeah. That's yeah, quick it is, to get the it is pretty quick. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, do you know what the handicap cut off was? The index cut off was for that event, Lucas. That was something when I was an amateur. You used to always watch the handicap cut offs because, you know, um, it was important that you I got know. low enough, or as you couldn't get into these events. I imagine it's plus like two or three nowadays, isn't it? I don't think so. I mean, in order to compete, sure, but I, I want to say maybe it was one point something. I, I don't hold me. To, it might oh. have been three point something. Wow, um, well, I'm that's not why sure there's the, 300 competitors. Because the well, UK, I mean, in order for you to be competitive, you have to be a very elite, top level amateur. You're not going to be a two handicap club golfer and get through. I mean, maybe you would, but the 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 qualifiers for this are, you know, they're they're chock full of really good players, and so, there are 36 hole qualifiers. So here's a question then, just straight from the bat, that confuses me in some ways. Why why would they not have a lower handicap cutoff? And then just do a little bit calmer entry. I mean, so the British Am, when I used to play in the English Am, like if you weren't scratch or plus one, you weren't getting into those events. And we're talking like scratch or plus one in old money, I would equate to kind of like plus one to almost plus three nowadays in modern money. Um, why Why would they not, if they're letting one handy, one index is in, that just seems crazy greg what do you think that seems bad to me 2.4 it says on their website you've got to be or less yes. wow. two, was it 2.4 that's what it said yeah. in the articles i'm reading right now which yeah, sounds, sounds really right. high yeah it, it, really it was is it a money making like... thing is it a money is that to try and get the mm. money covering because i can't think of another reason unless it is just like who wants a two handicapper? No disrespect to two handicappers. What listening and stuff, but who wants a yeah, Lou puts his hands up? That's <laughs> <laughs> that's his wheelhouse. You you don't want a two handicapper rocking up on the first of the masters, do you? Because obviously these events do qualify for majors, don't they? Well, there's got to be some element of cash flow there, right? Because you'd have a qualifier for the qualifier be. for the qualifier, I'd imagine. You don't just get to roll up to the final bit. Um because there's uh, some great stories. Have you ever seen those stories? I've seen some great stories. I remember an article once when open qualifying, I think it was in the UK, someone had a false handicap certificate and they were like a beginner. <laughs> they weren't played open qualifying yes. and shot a lot. It was like they were like in the 150s. They were chased off the course. So I think it was... Was it one round? I think it must have been one round. I think they were chased off the course by about a 12th. They went legging it over the fence with their bag because they got spotted to not be a real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be careful what you wish for, right? Like you, yeah. finally, you think you think it'd be fun, but it's not fun. Yeah, we have it in Monday qualifiers on the PJ Tour all the time. You know, people come in and shoot 100. Um, they're trying to weed that out because it's obviously not not what you're after. But that, I do find that a little high. But I, there's no question they've been... I don't know if you call it fortune or not, but the, the person who wins has been some high quality golf over the last few years, the last 20 or so that they end up being quite often world-class pros down the line. A hundred percent. I mean, if you look yeah, at the history, I always golfers. think, uh, yeah, I always think if you look at the history of the Walker cup and obviously the, um, the big ams from each sections are doing British am and you obviously had your Aussie am and um, you, you got pedigrees. It, it's, it's always really interesting as well, because in golf, I think so many golfers always whinge that they say they're good enough and it's unlucky and that they didn't get picked and all these things. But at the end of the day, when you look at the history of these great, these big amateur events, there's often you could, it's just, it's just kind of riddled with, Tour pros and major champions and what have you, and oh, the yeah. cream just comes to the top, doesn't it? If you give enough yeah. rounds after over a year, 
doesn't matter how lucky you think you are. The best players just get to the top. Some of, um, so I think some of the guys that you'll, if you, you know, if you watch, some of the guys who are in the top eight, particularly top sixteen to eight, they'll be more professional than some professionals. You yeah. know, about how they and go about hungry it. and, and they, ready for yes, it. Aren't they? And, and you look at their, you watch them, and you're like, oh, you look pretty ready to go to me. You know, like it's yeah. it's it ain't two point four. Let's put it that way. No, yeah, I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's high quality stuff. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So what was your role with some of the players, Lou? You're helping them with strategy, I presume, are you? Yeah. Are you helping them with um, how to apply sun cream to like... Pizza. You know, he gets pizzas. Kind of I, I got a great I story about pizzas. Yeah. I saw that tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your role? Pizza. You're helping them with strategy. Yeah, correct. Yeah, helping them with strategy, work with them on their stats. There was a couple of players that were in and we walked around, did practice rounds, prepped before before the event, got out there and validate everything that we see uh, using tools like Google Earth to to map and prepare and uh, put few books, use that as well to, to help prep. Uh, and, and then we get out there and we just see what it looks like in person. And it was, boy, those courses are tough. And they're, they're playing the second round right now. And the scoring average at the co-host course for the two rounds is 74.1. And the main course right now is 77.4 is the scoring average. And there are some 77.4 at Ridgewood right now for the combined two rounds. the two courses? Ridgewood is a par 71. Uh, is that our, the 77 average? That's the 77, yeah. So it's playing 6.4 over par. And Arcola is a par 70. It's playing 4.1 over par. So it's it's hairy out there. The The rough at Ridgewood was bananas. It looked healthy, Lou. looked really was, healthy. Oh, uh, you couldn't. There were some where you couldn't find the ball. The first practice round we were out there, we're out there and there's some really good players in this group that I'm yeah. in. And throughout the course of the day, there were uh, probably five or six shots where a player got a wedge in their hand and couldn't advance the ball more than about 50 yards uh, with a wedge in their hand because it was just hairy, kind of combed over, back into, and six inches tall, and it's nestled down to the bottom. Um you got to have crossfield kind of strength to get to get a club yeah. on something like that and get Serious it out. Serious weapons, weapons. That's a little free wood from that lie, Lou. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get a three wood on that lie. So, uh, but you'd be sacked in the first bit of rough I go into. Stat old wedge. What? This is a little three wood. Oh, Easy. yeah, three wood. Middle of the green. <laughs> Yeah, the the courses are are both spectacular. They're so so nice, um, and they were in great shape. I mean, very stern test of golf, um, which I'm okay with for, for those events. I'm okay with that. Uh, but yeah, just great great golf courses. It was it was fun to walk around. Do you know what yardages they were playing both of those courses? That have been um, I can tell you. you can find it. Seventy four hundred uh, Ridgewood is at seventy four hundred as a par seventy one, um, and cool. Arcola is at seventy two fifty one for a par seventy. Um, yeah, Ridgewood has a couple of uh, a couple of holes that are 
that are pretty beefy. Um, do you uh, know had, if that is the card yardage or is that actually what they're playing? Do you know? That's the card yardage, but yeah, in the so. practice round, I mean, we were, they had them, you know, all the way back for the most part in the practice round for the most part, I'm sure they're going to move them around a little bit. They yeah. had some, uh, some back-to-back holes that were just, I mean, just crazy long. I mean, I would be, I would, I'd shoot about 400 if I played one of those courses. It's, they were that yeah. hard, just ridiculous. And the greens were just smoking. They were baked out. And what was interesting, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but the fairways were really soft. So there were there were so many drives that were landing in the fairway and kind of leaving craters and not really running that far. And so when you have right. a 7,400-yard course that's soft in the fairways and then really firm, baked out greens, that's not going to help the score. That's only going to make it. It sounds like your Wednesday night league course, Luke. You know, it's a little fresher. It sounds like Wednesday night league. Um, They should make the USAM a team event. I know they got the four ball, but we should move the USAM to team event. That's what do you? What do you? I lobbied. What do you? What do you think? What do you think it's worth to the winner financially? Gotta be um, winning the winning the USM. USM, yeah. Yeah, like, it's I mean, let's, yeah. So what what's the exemptions they get, Lou? That's a great question, Greg. What what's the exempt what does it open doors for? So the the winner gets an exemption to the US Open, the Masters, and the Open Championship. Um and but as an amateur only, right? As they an amateur only. Amateur. Yeah, yep. FC yes. amateur, and then the loser—it's like the the runner-up. So this is the only time. Play the last day. Yeah, it's match play the last day. Up. This is the only time where being a runner-up isn't isn't so bad. The the runner-up gets an invite to the U.S. Open and the Masters. No invite to the Open Championship. So that's not a bad consolation prize, getting to play yeah, yeah, in those yeah. two events and peg it there. Well, I, I, I'd take that. And yeah. I, I don't I mean, think I, too, Mark Lou. I don't think too in recent history, the U.S. amateur champion has not got seven starts or seven invites the which is the maximum allowed on the pga tour i don't think it, they they always get seven starts or invites once they decide to turn pro yeah always. for sure yeah uh, agree and, with that. and that's interesting isn't it because obviously from those starts in theory did you say they can do that as an amateur or as a pro greg the seven no starts? they have to usually what they do is they wait until the following year to play the u.s masters and they might wait to play either the open or get that one more opportunity, depending on where it is. And then after that, right at the end of summer, mid-summer, they'll turn pro, jam in seven invites or four or five invites, and then the following year get the last few and see if they can gain either temporary membership, which would be top 150 from the previous year or some form of membership to get their foot in the door to the playoffs on the Corn Ferry Tour or whatever, which is going away now. But that would be the the reason to do it at the minimum. If not get okay, a so, Yeah. So they wait to turn pro, turn pro, do their seven or whatever starts. And in theory, if they earn enough money, they stay there forever. I mean, if you like, because Rory, I'm pretty sure, was someone who got starts for the PGA Tour or the European Tour, which way around, and just earned enough money and was off. I don't, I'm pretty sure he didn't go through any qualifying. Um, don't quote me on that if other people know other stories, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. So financial, I mean, the US Open for these kids then, uh, Lou, uh, it's massive, isn't it? This is this is their this is their World Cup. This is their, you know, this is their Masters, their Open, their Major, isn't it? This is the biggest one, is it not? Well, it, it definitely is their biggest one here in the United States, and I think a lot of that's even changed even more now that they have uh, name, image, likeness. So these players as amateurs can can make some big money with NIL deals. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of players 
that are in the field in the U.S. Amateur this week that played in live events as amateurs. Um, and I'm okay. sure that came with NIL deals where they limit, the USGA will limit how much you're allowed to make, um, uh, to, how much you're allowed to win. But under the name image likeness deals, you can make some money. And there's players that, amateur players that are getting paid you know, decent money to, to, to wear a logo carry a bag, whatever, what, you know, play certain equipment, whatever the case may be. So being up there in the world amateur golf rankings uh, as an amateur is a little bit different than it used to be. And, and I still think, uh, and, and I'm not incredibly in touch with this world, but I still think people are trying to work through it and figure it out. It's only been around a year now or so. Um, and people are trying to, to figure out what it means and, and uh, how they can, uh, you know, leverage it as amateur players. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's changed so much, hasn't it? So it's changing so quickly from like, I remember the story of uh, Tiger Woods having to refund Arnold Palmer from a lunch he bought him or something because you weren't allowed to receive anything uh, from anyone. Paid for professional sport. I think it's also changed in the UK. Again, I'm way removed from that world, but I'm pretty sure it's changed recently. Again, don't quote me if anyone knows any different, maybe let us know on our social channels. But if you got paid anything as an amateur in the UK, you basically became pro. You were just not allowed to receive monies for golf. So that means you weren't allowed to give lessons. You weren't allowed to, um, you, I'm pretty sure you weren't even allowed your bag on uh, your name on your bag at one point in the UK. No, so, I was really? the same in Australia. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Interesting. Um, I mean, it's, a, it, how much does it get televised in? Cause we don't get much of it in the UK, the USM. We get a bit of the British am appears on, some of the channels and the coverage is okay. Um, how much coverage do these players get in the US media wise? Because I personally do think there are some fantastic stories to be told in this world. People talk about at the moment, obviously, legacy. Haven't got my buttons with me, or I'd be hitting that button. And legacy. People talk about heritage. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Heritage and being passionate and how much it means and working hard and all these questions are being thrown up at the moment, obviously, with other tours, um, where actually, if you want to dig down into all those words and feelings that people are selling out at the moment too, you know, lots of broadcasters are saying things related to money and hungerness. The amateur game possibly is where the pinnacle of that would be to a certain extent. Like these guys, it's make or break for lots of them, isn't it? Their heart is set on that future. I, I know they go to school a bit more in the US. They have a backup, but they don't really want a career as whatever they're training as. They want to be golfers, do they not? How much of it is is shown to the public over there? Um, they pick up uh, television coverage tomorrow in match play, and, and there, there's, there'll be some available. It'll be mostly at, you know on the weekend. Uh, when they get down to the, the you know the semis, the se- quarters, semis, and then the finals on Sunday, that's where most of the TV coverage. You know, you can't really uh, watch any of it in the stroke play rounds today and tomorrow. 
Um, and I that's I'm rubbish. Sure. I wanted to see a two handicapper on a seven thousand four hundred. Oh, you're, you're not. Chunky rub. Yeah, I'm not watching. Happen. That. Like I am watching. That. No, it's not going to happen. Um, I don't <laughs> think many two handicappers right are qualified. Uh, I was standing on the range and I walked up and down the range a little bit, and every single one of the players on that range, they were they were Striking really it. good, crushing it, really mm. solid, just smoking it. Um, I've never seen a larger collection of, you know, 183 mile an hour ball speed. Um, yeah, yeah. That's where that game's at, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. They're Six all, foot two, thin, athletic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's not all mm. 19, 20 years old, 21 years old. Um, it's like I'm looking in a mirror. <laughs> did you not? Ta- I was going to say, Lou, did you not step up and take a club out there and say, uh, let's show you some, here's a 164. Watch this boy. 106 <laughs> club hits. I, I, I got <laughs> offered. Somebody, 12 somebody, degrees uh, up. Look at this. <laughs> somebody offered me a driver and, and, and asked me if I wanted to take a celebrity swing, and I politely declined. You said yeah, it's got I'll five degrees loft. That's way too much for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I use negative loft on my driver. Negative two degrees of loft. And who are the big names then in the American scene at the minute? Name some of the big names. And um, are you have you got a list of the results in front of you? Because I'm sure you're following it for your players. I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm following it. I mean, the 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 the, the Austin Greaser uh, is in it again in this year. Um, he, he was, was runner, runner up last. He year. was runner up last year. So he is the player that uh, just won recently, the, right, Lou? Yeah, he won the Western Open last week. He's currently ranked fifth in the world. Um, really good player. There's a there's so many good players. If you go through the Wagger, which is the World Amateur Golf Rankings, and you look at the Wagger and you and you look at the top twenty amateur ranked players in the world, nearly all of them are there. Uh, Michael Torbjörnsson uh, is there. Um, he did really well in a tour yeah, event. I, he finished like fourth, uh, like yes. a month and a half ago, two months ago. Hartford. Yeah, Hartford. Yeah, Hartford. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. Really, really good player. I got to walk a practice round with him at the U.S. Open, and and just you know, he's he's a tour level player. He's ready to go yeah. and play on tour right now. Um, and I, I don't want to leave uh, anyone out, so I'm not going to go through and, and name all of them. But it's just it's just absolutely stacked with all the best AMs. They're all there. They're all playing. And when you're there and you're watching them practice, um, you know, on, when I was there, I spent a good time at uh, a good amount of time on the range on Sunday and they are just um, they are so dedicated to what they are doing. They are not out there just slapping a few balls around, you know, they are, it's their job and you can tell they're all preparing and almost all of them there. I, I assume have aspirations to play at a professional level and the way they carry and handle themselves and the, the way they treat their game. Um, it, it shows that that's what they're trying to accomplish. And, and uh, it's it's fun to watch. Um, I have to imagine it's what they would say about me, like on Wednesday night, if they saw me, my yeah, prep commitment. work, what goes in, yeah. <laughs> commitment, yeah. dedication, professionalism. Courage. Yeah, exactly. I think "imagine" is the key term in that sentence. You have to <laughs> yeah. imagine it. And, but anyway, <laughs> yes, but it was, it's great to be there. Uh, it was it was a lot I of mean- fun. And what, what kind of support are those players getting at that event? How much does it feel like a tour event? The rough is chunky. Do they have spotters when the tournament's on? They they had a few spotters out there for practice rounds, and they needed them. Like, there were yeah. balls being lost out there because yeah, the rough was so – I mean, you could get you could get a ball in the rough there. We had one, and we had probably 
we probably had six people walking back and forth and we must've walked over it two, three, 10 times. And oh, it boy. took, yeah, yeah. it took probably 30 seconds to find it. Um, we found it, but there were six of us trying to find it. Um, if you were out there in a typical round of golf with no spotters and nobody else to really help you look, you would struggle to, uh, to find balls there. Yeah. Um, and is it, is it, um, can people just go and watch or is it like a ticket system? No tickets, go in? tickets. Yeah. Ropes? Unfortunately, I don't think there were ropes? any tickets. Yeah. Uh, they have some ropes around the tee boxes. Um, and I'll tell you about the finals last year uh, that were at Oakmont. Um, and I don't believe that they're letting the general public in um, for the stroke play rounds yesterday and today. I don't think you can get in. You have to have a, a bit special dangerous with the handicap range, possibly. And uh, <laughs> you have to have a, a player, your guest of a player credential to get yeah. in. They don't sell tickets yeah. until until the match play rounds. Okay. Um, last year, uh, I went to the finals at Oakmont, and it was mayhem. There were hardly any. They had ropes. They had like two poor fellas like with a rope between them and they were kind of following around like hole to hole and trying right. to keep people. And th- it was bananas because there were some holes where there, there are, uh, there are fans. There's me there, I think there were maybe six or 7,000 people. So there's a lot of people. They're all on one hole and they're all moving to follow this match. Yeah, and yeah. there were multiple instances where players <laughs> were, trying to tee off and there are people walking across the fairway a hundred yards out. And then there were many instances where there, the players are teeing off and, and everyone's sort of gone ahead on a, let's say there's a couple of par fours, one par five. And there, there were instances where there were people standing at the very, on the very right edge of the fairway, about two ninety off the tee. And I'm looking at them going, that's not a That's, smart place to stand. You no, may want to no. rethink that one. And there were a yeah. couple of balls that went off into the crowd. There was no real crowd control. And there were a couple of people that almost got hit, but hit. it's not yeah. like they were hitting it 50 yards offline. You know, they missed a fairway by two yards and there's 50 people standing in that general area. So that, that part was that was really interesting to see. It was crazier than like, Greg, I know you play in front of a ton of crowds um, and you massive, you, know, you massive. <laughs> <and> you, you, <laughs> I know I'm you've almost down, killed a few people. <laughs> you know, you've bloodied up a few people, but you know, you play in an environment that's relatively controlled. There's ropes. People can't get past yeah. those ropes. It's everywhere at the U S open uh, last year at Oakmont in the finals. It was, there were people everywhere and hardly any ropes keeping them from anywhere and no real crowd control. It had to be so much more difficult to play in that than it would be what you would typically face in a tour event that you go to. Yeah. Sounds chaotic, but the good news is once you sign that glove and hand it to that person, you've hit on the head. They feel fine after that. Yeah, they exactly. <laughs> I don't know why we even have hospitals in these countries. <laughs> it's just like a signed glove. Just, we just need yeah. like vans circulating with signed gloves. And just handing them out. So in it, Greg Chalmers' blood yeah. that'll fix it. Oh, I've been surfing today, and I've falls hit me on the head, and I got a big gouge on my head. But where's my glove? I don't need yeah. any paramedics. I want no. a glove. You need they, a Kelly Slater glove. Yeah. Kelly Slater glove. <laughs> yeah, I always that'll think the gloves. Oh, I also think the gloves are a little bit, um, like a little bit for the amount of money that you've paid to get in there, and that the players are earning. I yeah. just think a glove. Right. 
You've just hit me well, with a ball, and you're giving me a It depends on it. Did you stop me, me from going out? Give me a dollar note. That that'll work. <laughs> yeah. Was I going out of bounds? Was that actually going to be five feet? Like you could have yeah. cost me a shot. But yes, yeah, I think you're there right. should be it's... different ratings. Like little yes. bump, ten dollars. <laughs> oh Big gouge, that's a hundred dollars. Broken arm, that's a thousand dollars in your putter. I'm sorry, I don't make yeah. the rules. <laughs> I think I saw. I saw. Was it? Um, Cam Smith just last week, I think he broke someone's phone. He actually gave him some money to buy a new phone. Yeah. Oh, ripped wow. Off, ripped wow. off a thousand or whatever and said, here you go. Well, I think if you don't shout four, I think you should lose a club. And it'd be interesting to see how many of the end of the field who are struggling, how many clubs they get in with at the end right. of the round. That could be like right. a little sub game for the people struggling. There you go. <laughs> like, I love it. I got in just with my seven iron. Um, no, I, so how I many have, international gone, Luke? Go on. I have a, a, a well, you asked first because I have a great story I want to tell about uh, something that's going on there when it went on there. So you go first. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll finish with that one. Then. So just international players. An international player can enter or play, I think. Is that right? It's an open field. It's just obviously you would need funds, which amateur golfers generally don't have. But I, I'm pretty sure. So like Hovland, who would have won university in the States, I presume he could have played the USM and Ram he won it. Yeah. He won it in what, 2018. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. So he did yeah. play and he, he did win. I think yeah. they, they pluck off the world golf rankings, right? Off the, what the, and then there's just so many uh, players from not in the United States that play college golf here. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of those players are here all summer. They're qualifying um, for the USAM because it is the biggest AM tournament. I'm looking at the leaderboard now and mm, they're British out, out of some the, would argue is bigger. One, but... two, three. <laughs> some. Yeah. Some, not me. <laughs> I yeah. mean, there, there's probably half of the top 19 players in the field have a flag that is not a United States flag. So, yeah, there's, so it's there's an international a pretty, event, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah there's, there's a very large contingency of, of non-United States players that are part of this. without, without And your college system allows for that to be, because the British Am, even though it does have European players, I don't remember it many, having many US would come across because they just didn't need to. They had their US Am for the same options and a, a good um, uh, um, circuit to play on, I'm sure, with college and stuff. So your your college system really allows that to become even more international, I would imagine, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would think good. so, for sure. Yeah. So your story, Lou, let's finish on your story. Yeah, I got a great story. Yeah. So one of the players I was there with is uh, named Jackson Freddy, and he is a player on the team at Princeton University. And this is the first time I've seen this. Uh, so I, I started to to work with that team, and and – uh, they have a bag and they have the name of uh, a, a former Princeton graduate, First Lieutenant Victor Edward Prado, uh, who's an engineer in the Army uh, and uh, a lieutenant in the Army. And they had this bag made up and they had it made up. Um, this former Princeton graduate who uh, played on the football team uh, was an ROTC candidate. So he was part of the military. He went into the military after graduating Princeton as an officer. And in November of 2017, uh, his first week uh, as platoon leader, uh, his convoy was struck by an IED during a patrol, and he suffered some massive injuries, including a spinal cord injury, won the Purple Heart. Um, and he ended up going into rehab. It's a long story. I actually just tweeted about this story, and there's a great article uh, in there that goes into detail. And, you know, he 
couldn't really move anything when he got in and he worked incredibly hard at it. And he said his only goal was to ju- just, you know, giving up was never an option. His only goal was to just work hard. And he has most function back in his left hand, his right hand is at like 30% now. He can kind of get himself into a wheelchair. He's wa- He can go short distances in a walker now. He's advanced that much. And the Princeton golf team, the players on the Princeton golf team back in 2019, completely on their own, they decided they were going to get this bag made up and they had his name put on the side of the bag. And every event, the players rotate who gets to carry this bag. And Jackson, when he qualified for the U.S. Amateur, reached out to his coach and said, coach, I'm coming to pick up the bag. Um, And he carried that bag around for this event. So it's just a it's a great story. And I I love these things about sports and, 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 you know, how they can be uplifting. And, you know, hopefully we can all have the, you know, the same, you know, courage and determination that Lieutenant Prado has shown all of us. 100%. 100%. That's a great story and a great uh, gesture and thing that they've done there, isn't it? Really, really touching. That's nice. Yeah. Um, that's great. Was, uh, yeah. I, mean, I would definitely like to see more amateur golf on TV. I do think there's great stories. And I do think you're going to just see uh, by definition of watching the history of who win these events, you do just see Tiger Woods for one, won it what, two times, three times. Did he win the USM? Three times. Three, three times. Um, yes, right. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you do just get to see future stars really early. And I think it's it's a shame it doesn't. I understand the uh, difficulty of televising and setting up these events with cabling for miles and just getting broadcasting stops. I, um, it's a it's a mythical kind of love I would like to see. But I do think there's some great amateur stories that just don't get told enough. Um, yeah. I mean, if you look we at- focus so much on the tour and you look at that now with what's going on in tour golf. And I think all the stories that people say they want, they're in the amateur game. They're at, they're in men and women as well. They're there. These players are playing events that your average golfer doesn't really get put in front of their nose enough where, you know, the PGA tour and all these other stories are being rammed in front of them. Um, and, and fairly so as well, because they're great tours. But I do think the amateur game has some great stories. That just No question. That I mean, I'm just going to just shout off a few names here. Over the last 20 years, these are either winners or runners up at the, at the USAM. Uh, Hovland, Doc Redmond, Bryson DeChambeau, Matt Fitzpatrick, Peter Uline, Ben Ahn, Danny Lee, Colt Nose, Eduardo Molinari. Uh, Ricky Barnes, Jeff Quinney, James Driscoll, Luke List. Uh, Patrick Cantlay, Corey Connors, um, the Hunter Mahan. Uh, and these, these are just uh, a smattering of the names that have either won or were runner up in the USAM over the last 20 years. Um, so yeah. typically the field is just stacked with, with future stars with, without yeah. a doubt. And, and there's, yeah. I looked back cause somebody asked me this question and they said, how many players do you think this year uh, are going to end up playing on PJ tour um, uh, or in a tour court tour card and play on there. And I guess, you know, my, you know, 5% of the field was my guess. And I went back and I think I looked at 2015, 2014 um, and who played, I looked at the entire 300 ish players in the field and there were like 18 or 19 players that were, were there that, you know, played on tour. There were probably more that, uh, our kit corn fairy and maybe not, hasn't, haven't made it to PJ tour yet, but there's a lot of players there. They're, they're really good. They're really good. It's great. It's yeah. a lot of fun to watch. I, I could be out yeah. there all day and, and watch them play. 
you're going to see world quality golf, aren't you, at the end of the day? No question. Um, no good question. stuff. Good luck to your players, Lou, and keep up the good work with them. Thanks, Greg and Lou. As always, US uh, amateur and the British amateur and the Aussie amateur and many others. If you want to see some great golf for some future stars, it's definitely something you should try and keep your eye on. And if it is on telly, give it a watch and just enjoy um, how good they are. And you totally can see where the game is going when you watch these tours as well, like Lou says about the ball speeds and that. Every... Um, I went for a fitting with a major brand recently um, and they had some top quality amateurs there looking at new product and the fitter with me was basically saying if you're not 180 ball speed when these guys come through they're not they have to be so good at something else or they just seem 180 180 ball speed all the time so it gives you a bit of a blueprint of where golf's going as well so yeah check it out a bit more thanks for listening as always um, catch you in the next podcast